Hello, I'm Dr. Max Pemberton, a doctor and daily bar columnist, and welcome to part three of my podcast, where I'm talking to Dr. Susan Mayo, a consultant dermatologist at the Cadogan Clinic in London. Thanks so much for joining us again, Susan. So the first question that we've uh, we've had in um, is, my husband has a rather suspicious-looking mole on his back. It's not red or crusty, but it does look different and darker to every other mole he has. I remember reading once that it's the ugly duckling moles that should raise an alarm. Is that right? Also, do you have any tips on how I can get him to get them checked? My requests are falling on deaf ears. Because you've got a special interest, haven't you, in, uh, in kind of moles and mole mapping. Is that right? Yes, correct. So I've been very keen to get this lady's husband in for a look. Uh, so she says it's not red or crusty. So fairly often people come in with crusty moles, which actually are not moles at all. They're benign seborrheic keratoses, which are very common as people get older. However, in this case, she has spotted that it looks different and darker, and that really is raising the alarm. Her ugly duckling moles is a good way of you know, assessing if something looks different. My equivalent is, is it the member of the orchestra playing out of tune? So I think um, if she hasn't already, she could take a photograph of the husband's back and point out that it's the ugly duckling and also explain to him how easy it is for us to do a proper skin check. In the clinic, we take people's clothes off and look all over them to see if it's the member of the orchestra playing out of tune and to look at all the moles, not just the one that the patient has flagged up. Uh, And we use something called a dermatoscope, which uses polarised light to reflect off skin structures. So we can pattern recognise for what that particular patient's pattern, normal pattern is, and then pick up if something is outside that normal pattern. Um, and in the, in the NHS, is this something a GP would do, or is it something a GP would then refer straight on to a dermatologist? So I think most GPs don't have the luxury of the time to undress the patient and look all over, but I, I'm not sure about that. But they would certainly look at the mole that's being flagged up, and if that one caused them alarm, they would refer on. Because I know when I went to see my GP, because I think presumably because of my family history of skin cancer, I just literally showed them one mole and they just straight away, it was literally days later. I think there's a, on the NHS, there's a sort of a maximum time you have to wait um, if, yeah. it's, if it's a concern. Um, and mm. uh, and actually within just a few days, I was seen by a dermatologist and they were like, no, and you know, sort of reassured me and it was absolutely fine. But I was sort of very impressed at how sort of quickly I was kind of seen on the, uh, on the NHS. So it's very important to uh, see moles early because we want to prevent progression. If the mole is normal, that's fantastic. And if it's mildly dysplastic or abnormal, that's also fine. But then they can they can progress from there to being moderately dysplastic, abnormal or severely dysplastic, and then on to early melanomas. So in the melanoma spectrum, a thin melanoma of sort of less than 0.75 millimetres has a very good prognosis. You're 90, you have a sort of 99% chance of being alive in 10 years. But as they get thicker down to, say, four millimetres depth, this rapidly declines to about 25% 10 year survival. So it's very important. They, I mean, they don't progress alarmingly fast, like over the two weeks that you referred to. But that's what we're doing when we're monitoring um, and taking out abnormal moles as, as early as we can to prevent progression. 
and this is presumably this is kind of really what she needs to emphasize to her husband is that actually uh you know if if it's if it's if it is anything sinister or worrying then you know kind of the sooner he gets it sorted then then the easier it will be um and the less invasive it's going to be and everything you know everything and the you know kind of chances of survival are much better i think you know what she's describing is very typical i would say of men i don't want to sound sexist but i think uh, I think men in particular are kind of like, oh, we're going to put my head in the sand, you know, we'll kind of pretend it's uh, it's not going to happen. This kind of, you know, f- falling into this kind of denial. I think for sorts of various complicated reasons, actually, about feeling a bit out of control, about, you know, kind of not wanting to cause a scene and all these kind of things. But, you know, goodness, this is incredibly serious. What do you think, though, about her maybe just taking a photograph and, and, and taking it to the GP on her own? Do you think that would work or do they need, really need to see the patient as well? So you do need to see the patient. Uh, teledermatology does have some role, but I think in examination of pigmented lesions, you really do want to have the patient in front of you. So she's going to have to sort of sit there and sort of wag her finger. <laughs> Somehow. Very, very, very sort of sternly and go, this is enough. Like, come on, get out there. <laughs> well, she could have the podcast playing in the background one evening. Exactly. With us all <laughs> chanting, go to the doctor. Because <laughs> the thing is, it's probably, you know, he's obviously, you know, presumably a bit worried, a bit scared. Um, yeah. And, you know, doesn't want to confront it, which is all normal feelings. It's normal human yeah. kind of responses to things. And, you know, we all kind yeah. of do this slightly daft thing where we sort of put things off that we, we're worried or nervous about. Um, but actually yeah. in doing that... It makes the thing so much worse. So yeah, so he needs to just go to the doctor, kind of bite the bullet and go go and get it checked out. Right, so the next question. For the last two years, I've had a tiny dry patch of skin on the side of my face. It's situated where the arm of my sunglasses goes, but it's there all the time. It's a bit scaly and goes red and angry looking in hot weather and after a shower. I'm very sporty and have been on a lot of summer holidays over the years, I'm 45, and my girlfriend is worried it could be a non-melanoma skin cancer. What's the prognosis and treatment if that's the case? And what could it be if it's not that? So the first kind of thing, just to sort of pick that question apart, is he talks about non-melanoma skin cancers. So can you just explain what that is? So melanoma, what is that? And what's a non-melanoma skin cancer? A melanoma is a pigmented lesion, a pigmented skin cancer that may or may not arise from a pre-existing mole. Uh, The non-melanoma skin cancers fall into two categories. One is a basal cell cancer and the other is a squamous cell cancer. This particular lesion sounds like an actinic keratosis, which is a pre-malignant lesion. So that means it's not it's not cancer. Exactly. It's not a cancerous it's, le- so lesion just means a kind of mark, doesn't it? So it's not it's yes. not a cancerous mark. No. So uh, because it's been there for a couple of years, a, a pink scaly lesion just there could be a little patch of eczema, but this has been there for a couple of years. So it's a it's a proper lesion. And uh, it's likely, as she's been in the sun a lot, to be an actinic keratosis. So actinic keratoses are pre-malignant, which means they have the potential to progress over slowly over years to become a squamous cell cancer, which is one of these non-melanoma skin cancers. So at this stage, when it's a pink scaly patch, it's pre-malignant and it may never progress. They can um, actually resolve spontaneously if you wear sunscreen, if you're not in the sun, though if it's been there for two years, it's probably unlikely to resolve spontaneously. 
but it's very readily treated in the clinic uh, with liquid nitrogen, with cryotherapy, which freezes the affected area of skin and then it heals over. So we do that a lot in dermatology clinic. In the general practice, a cream could be prescribed called Solarase. If the little patch is thin enough, that might be effective. Goodness. So, so definitely it's kind of another one of those things where go, don't just sit there looking at it. Go to the doctor because, you know, it's, it, I suppose it's reassuring that, that you think it's probably, well, it's not, it's, not, it's not a skin cancer, but it does have the potential to progress into something more serious. And yet there's treatments now, so you can just kind of, you know, blast it away and get rid of it. Absolutely. And, this, and the blasting away takes five seconds. It's very quick and easy. Now, um, they can come back, these actinic keratoses, and if that little area has had enough sun to cause an actinic keratosis, then so has the surrounding area of skin. So she's likely to develop others over the years on the same, same area. But again, they can just be treated in the same way. So the next question is, my 17-year-old daughter has terrible acne. It really gets her down and nothing seems to help. It's been suggested that she tries Raccutane, but I'm extremely, extremely nervous about this as I've read it's linked to suicide in young people. What would you advise? Now, this is something actually I, I, I've got very personal experience of this because I also had very bad acne when I was a teenager and I did also try Raccutane to great effect, I have to say. But anyway, so what would you advise? I think Raccutane is an excellent drug for the right sort of acne in the right patient. So the wrong sort of patient is someone who's got uh, pre-existing mood fragility uh, because it definitely, with, the, with, with that, it makes them more vulnerable to the uh, potential negative effect on their mood. But if uh, they have no mood issues or no family history of manic depression or suicidal or that sort of severity of problem uh, then roaccutane could well be the answer to her acne it depends actually what she's what this what the 17 uh, year old has already tried if she hasn't tried an appropriate course of antibiotics that's always worth trying first at 17 one also has the option in a girl of discussing a skin friendly hormonal pill um, but she may well have tried those, in which case Roaccutane, if she has a stable mood, would be well worth it. It's, as you know from your personal experience, a course of treatment. It has the huge advantage of once you finished it, you were spotless. And although you can't say you'll never get it back, because it's not like taking the appendix out and with acute appendicitis and you'll know you'll never get it again. You can have a long period of remission and at 17, you might have grown out of your, or she might have grown out of her teenage uh, predisposition to acne. And I suppose the other thing to be mindful of, because I know that people, you know, as a psychiatrist, people have mentioned this to me before and sort of said, you know, well, you know, I'm a bit worried about taking it because of the mood. And actually we know that people with acne, anyway, often the acne can cause people to feel incredibly low and even suicidal. So so it's it's not, you know, it's, it's about sort of weighing up the risks and the benefits, I think, um, and sort but of being mindful so. and being mindful of the fact that in a small, also it's only a very small percentage of people it can trigger very low mood but we also know that acne can also trigger low mood I mean my, my experience was I, I, I did it and I actually did it 
along with a couple of other friends because we were out one day sort of talking about how we all had acne and how much we hated it um so we went kind of on mass almost when I mean, we went individually but we kind of all went to go see the same dermatologist <laughs> uh, in this literally in the, co- in the space of about a month and we all got put on it <laughs> and i have to say it absolutely changed my life and actually one of my friends i didn't even realize how much the, his acne was affecting him until afterwards and he said you know often i'd cancel going out because i felt you know i looked in the mirror and i felt so low because of um you know my skin and it really sort of really really sort of surprised me and this guy was a boxer you know he's really sort of rugged kind of you know straightforward chap he never sort of you know shows his emotions or anything and I thought god all this time I've known him this guy for years and years and years um you know he's been sort of sitting at home sort of incredibly desperate about his skin six months on Racutane it absolutely changed his life um yeah, I was no, a great great fan of this I tell you yes no I'm a great fan and also it's, it varies very much. Uh, so a few spots in somebody will have a far greater psychological impact than actually much worse acne in somebody else who doesn't seem to mind about it. So the individual yes. and how they, how they take, you know, how they cope with it is, is important to take on board as well. Yeah, and I think for, for me, certainly because um, myself and my two other friends, um, we were all in our late 20s. And our feeling, the kind of discussion came out of like, this is actually embarrassing. I could kind of handle having spots when I was a teenager, almost, because everyone else had them. But now you're kind yes. of in your late 20s. This is weird. So just having like one or two spots sometimes, you know, you're thinking, but why have I got spots? No one else seems to have spots. And of course, that's not necessarily true, but it sort of seemed just a, you know, an additional level of humiliation um, that yeah. you know, even though we only may ha- maybe having a couple, um, it was, you know, sort of happening so late, uh, late in our lives, as it were. Um, and actually mine then did eventually, so it, it was stopped for a couple of years and it came back and I went back to see the dermatologist, got put on it again. And since then it's been absolutely clear, sort of over 10 years now. Um, so Mom. yeah, so I'm a, I'm a great fan of acting. The only tip yeah. I would say is, goodness, you need to really moisturise on it. <laughs> that is, yes, that is something you yeah. learn quite quickly. Is yeah, you, sure. you get very good at using moisturiser and particularly your lips get very, very dry. Yeah. The last question then, I have suffered from rosacea since my teens, but it's got so much worse since I started getting menopausal hot flushes. What can I do about the redness on my face? It's so embarrassing and really getting me down. I'm happy to try any cream or makeup you think might help. So what, so what actually is rosacea? What, what is it? So rosacea generally starts in um, older people and uh, it presents with little papules and pustules on the mid face, often in people who have a history of easy flushing um, compared to their friends. They've flushed more readily with stress over their lives and they have a background pink coloration plus or minus these little papulopustules. So uh, there are there are good topical treatments. Um, there's a reasonably new newer to market over the last 15 years, one called cilantro, which is good for the papulopustules um, and the background erythema. If topicals don't do the trick, then a course of oral tetracycline, such as the once a day limacycline that we use for acne vulgaris, uh, can also be helpful. And your your questioner talks about um, any cream or makeup. So you, for people with rosacea tend to have sensitive skin and often reactive skin to various products or the preservatives or the ingredients in creams. So she would have already found out that she needs to go for a sort of hypoallergenic or products for sensitive skin in which the most likely irritants have been removed. 
And then in terms of color, covering the color, uh, green um, products, green creams uh, neutralize the redness. And there are a, sort of a raft of those available from, you know, boots type version through to Clinique, through to Chanel. So, so green um, neutralizes the, the red appearance on, on cosmetic grounds. Thanks so much for listening. That's all we've got time for today, though. But come back next week for the final part. In the meantime, if you want more from Dr. Susan Mayo, then check out cadugginclinic.com and you can find us on Spotify, Apple and Google. Whilst you're there, please leave us a review. Thank you.